everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Alicia. And this is Camp Final Girls. Hello. Hello, everyone. everyone. Welcome again. Welcome back to um another episode part two (laughs) (laughs) part two of um what's gonna actually be my first three-parter i know you're so (laughs) crazy (laughs) i just i don't think i'm gonna do another one of these for a while (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think so that's a lot like twice already and now here's the third time i don't think you expected it though when you picked the stories (laughs) I guess like with Casey Anthony, no, because it's just like, you know, one uh-huh. mur- like death that occurs, but like the Ken and Barbie killers. Yeah, because they're like, uh, serial killers. And then same with John Wayne Gacy. Oh, yeah, I, I guess that's true. I just like I don't I don't know, because sometimes I have a hard time picking cases, too. And so yeah. I'll just find one and I'll be like, OK, let's do that one. And then I'll start researching. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> a lot of information here you're like whoops <laughs> like I don't have time for any of this like what did I do to myself <laughs> I know and I'm so like um sun exhausted because I went to my sister's after I worked for the sixth day in a row and um we swam and stuff and I feel like I just like the sun just wore me out oh yeah that happens to me sometimes when I go outside and it's hot yeah or very humid like it drains exhaustion Mm -hmm. takes my energy yeah it sucks but the last couple days I've been sick so that took my energy the past couple days but I've been feeling a little better so hopefully it doesn't get me too bad hopefully thankfully it's not COVID so (laughs) <laughs> we already went through that yeah hopefully let's not do that again <laughs> I don't know a part of me is like I kind of liked that like two weeks that I had off when I was just laying there I, I didn't I felt like I was like, dying <laughs> I did for like the first couple of days and then the next couple of days was it was more like I couldn't taste anything and then I mostly just had to stay out because of like the schools out here make you stay out for two weeks regardless she didn't even have it it was because I had it and she lives with me Mm -hmm. like that's crazy yeah I had it pretty bad so definitely don't want that again I'm gonna stay away from all those people (laughs) (laughs) I know I just like I feel like I need a break you know because I haven't even I've had one day off a week and it's exhausting and I feel like I really need a break I don't know how you do it I don't it's because I'm just like oh my god tomorrow's the first and rent is due so oh no then you have a lot of stuff to do I know well no I and I mean like I oh rent too oh (laughs) on top of that (laughs) yeah (coughs) yeah and I just need to uh pay it <laughs> I, I hate know. doing that I hate paying rent I agree I think rent should be free <laughs> that would be nice mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but uh yeah <laughs> so let's see how how this goes guys I'm really tired 
I feel like I might be getting sick too. But what's nice about the the second part is I already wrote it last week because last week I just did 11 pages and I was like, I'll just split it in half. And I'm like, but I'm not even done. Mm-hmm. So that's how I know it's going to be more than two parts. Um, but so this is where we left off just like a refresher for you. It was December 12th, 1978 was the day that Robert Pice, the f- missing 15 year old boy, um, led by uh, Raphael Tovar of the Des Plaines PD. Um, this is where they basically like led them to this kid who just crumbled apart John Wayne Gacy's entire like facade. So that was the kid that was at the market, right? At the farm, yeah, pharmacy. Oh, pharmacy. Okay. Yeah, because right. Robert had a part-time job at the um, Nissan Drugs. Uh-huh. And he, um, Robert was the youngest of three children mm-hmm. and he had an older brother and an older sister. Um, and <clears throat> oh no, I feel like I might be getting sick. Better take a shot. That mm-hmm. helps me when I have a cough. I don't, we don't have any hard liquor. <laughs> oh. The missing persons report came from his family. They said that they were super worried about him because it was unlike him to disappear. Terry Sullivan, the prosecutor of Cook County, said his parents came into his office and were completely distraught about his disappearance. They had been out all night searching for him. He had been working at Nissan that day when a guy in a flannel shirt came in. And when Robert asked who he was, the manager said that it was a guy doing some construction for them. He told his coworkers he was going to the parking lot to follow him to see if he had any like jobs for him. And like I said last time, this was the last time that Robert Pice was ever seen. Uh, the cop who started the investigation went back to the drugstore and questioned who had been there that night. Among the names was John Wayne Gacy. He was there. <coughs> <coughs> Wasn't he like really smart though before with all the other people that he chose? Yeah. And like this guy, I feel like this is, well, no, actually, no, that's not true. He he chose just kind of at random, like that Greyhound Mm -hmm. bus kid and then um, the kid that worked for him. And now, so he kind of just got lucky basically that nobody tied him to them. Yeah. Because, um, uh, like I was saying last episode, it was kind of a thing where like if young homosexual men go missing they're the cops are just going to say, well, I mean, they probably got kicked out of their house or they ran mm-hmm. away because it was such a stigma back in the day, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, so this kid wasn't right. He was just looking for work. Yeah. Just construction work. Yeah. Oh, okay. So John was at that pharmacy that day getting an estimate for a job he was going to do at the store. Um, It was routine for them to run background background on all the names. And when they ran Gacy's name, they got a hit. He had served time in Iowa for sodomy. So they like, remember Mm -hmm. that guy's son and he got charged with it. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they like run everybody's background and that's like a hit that they get. And they're like, oh, whoa, what? He, he was serving time for a sodomy. Mm-hmm. 
John at the time was living at Norwood Park Township. It's a, a Chicago address, but it's an un, unincorporated area of Cook County. Um, Joseph, oh gosh, Kozenchak was the head of investigations of the Des Plaines PD. He went out to Gacy's home to talk to him. He asked him to come down to the police department to talk about Robert's disappearance. Gacy told him that he didn't have the time because he just had a death in the family and was waiting for a call from his mother in Arkansas. Um, Kozenchak kept insisting it would only take a minute and Gacy got very irritated at this saying he had no care for the dead. He told him that whatever he had, whenever he had time, he would come down. So they decided to leave a detective behind to survey the house. They saw Gacy arrive uh, in his van. Then when it left again, they followed thinking he was in it. But when they caught up to it, they realized it was just, wasn't him, but one of his workers. Was he married at the time? No. Cause, uh, remember, um, his wife divorced him because of uh, she knew that he was doing stuff with those boys in the garage or whatever. That was his second marriage though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then she left him because of that. Yes. So he was basically free to do whatever he wants at that point. Yeah. Cause his first marriage ended when he got charged with sodomy. sodomy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one was, she was like, I mean, I was just trying to get through it. And then eventually she's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> gosh. So they decide. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Okay. You made me lose my. Uh, so when they pulled this car over and it was one of Gacy's workers, um, they by that time that they had discovered that Gacy was already gone. Um, so he's like gone for a day or so and they don't know where he's at. And when Gacy does come back and comes into the police station, he comes in at 3 a.m. when it's pretty much empty at the police station. Um, That's weird. Yeah, very weird. His clothes, shoes, and car are filthy with mud. When he realized that um, Kozinchek wasn't there, he left and said he would be back in the morning. So he like comes in and he's all dirty and he's like, all right, I'm here to talk to Kozinchek. And they're like, he's not here. It's three in the morning. And he's like, okay, well, I'll come back tomorrow then. That's so <laughs> weird. It was like he was under the influence or something like something because random. Why would you go into a police station like that, too, if you're being questioned? Yeah. I mean, you would think, okay, you have to go during the day when you know they're actually doing the interviews and stuff he just rolls out of bed and he's all I'm going to the police station <laughs> yeah well I don't even think he rolled out of bed because he said he was full of mud yeah he was probably out doing something he probably shouldn't have done probably yeah murder. he's like yeah well I'm out and about let me go to the police station <laughs> what since I got rid of the body I know <clears throat> so on December 13th 1978 Gacy comes into the police station at about 10 to 11 in the morning. They said, okay, wait here for a cause and check. Um, He wants to talk to you. He waited for a few hours. So he came back that same morning and he, the um, cousin check was still not there. And he had, was waiting and waiting. And he told them, he's like, guys, I got things to do. I can't just wait here all day. 
So Officer Tovar was told to stay there and entertain him. Since since he wasn't under arrest, they technically couldn't detain him or hold him there. And they didn't have any evidence, right? That he was just a person of interest? Yeah, they just wanted to ask him just questions. This was Uh the very beginning of it. Okay. He could tell that Gacy had a huge ego. He said he was able to feed that ego and keep him talking. He's like, oh, this guy likes talking about himself. So let me, Mm. you know, ask him questions. A lot of us do that. Yeah. They um, then took him into an interrogation room. Sullivan asked Gacy if he was going to give them permission to search his house since he had nothing to hide. But he said, no, I'm not going to give you permission. They were trying desperately to get a warrant to search his house, but they had to keep him there. So they didn't have anything. They wanted to find evidence while Gacy was at the police station to get a warrant to search his house. Oh, okay. Which is really risky for cops mm-hmm. to do because they have to be really careful. Like they're holding him, but they don't have any, you know, cause to. And then also they're trying to get something so they can search his home. Uh-huh. It's like you're tiptoeing, you know, on the yeah, line of the hard when It's hard when they don't even have anything. They're just basically saying you were seen with him last. So we're going to check you out. We don't really have anything on you. We're going to see if we can find it, but we can't because which we is, don't have evidence. Yeah. And get. which is the whole point. It's like, you have to have evidence. So even if somebody like you just know that guy did it, doesn't matter. You have to have evidence or mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen in court. Yeah. Um. So they were um, trying, uh, sorry, at around four in the afternoon, they asked for the keys to his house saying they had a warrant. When the police took his keys and started searching in his home, they were hoping to find Robert Peist alive. Um, and I'll get to the evidence that they find too that um, like kind of ties him to the case. So how did they get the warrant though? Does it say? It, it kind of um, explains it later. Oh, okay. So Gacy's house was full of so many eclectic items. They were like, we walked in there and I'd never seen a house like this. Like he had a tiki bar in the corner, a pool table. um, And on all the rooms of the house, he had these weird paintings of clowns. Oh, God. That were they and they weren't like happy clowns like they were pretty disturbing clown pictures oh geez i can't even imagine like those things are creepy when and he's has them. them hanging up all over his house like it's art. <laughs> yeah no no um he had an office with a bulletin board filled with stuff he was working on uh the hallway leading from the kitchen to the bedroom was dark with yellow zigzag lines leading you back and the detectives were saying like literally like picture looking down this hallway and it's just black walls and it has like these almost like racing stripes that just like zigzag around the whole hallway. And they're like, I'll never forget walking down that hallway and just like seeing that design. And it's almost like it's leading you back, you know, mm-hmm. and um, to, for what they find in there later, it's, it's crazy for them to picture that like, oh, I picture that hallway and mm-hmm. that's where, you know, crazy stuff was found later. So he basically Um, designed, like, painted it like that, huh? Yeah, he probably did it because what I was just thinking, because I'm just slightly buzzed because I'm drinking, and I was (laughs) thinking about it as I'm explaining it to you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I were drunk and somebody's like, oh, come this way, like, I would follow, you know, that because it's like, it catches your eye. 
so maybe yeah. that's what uh-huh. he was doing like trying True. to lead people because it back. was more like intriguing to them they're like oh, yeah what's this they're like uh well i can't even really follow any oh i'll follow all that and it uh-huh. re- leads them right to the back of the house oh god that's so scary i know um they found strange books with titles such as, and this is one of the crazy parts to me. They found books in his house titled things called like um, the gay love letters and pretty boys must die. Um, he even oh had gosh. books. I know. He had a book called, uh, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, Pederasty. And it's basically the sex between men and boys. Oh, God. So basically pedophilia. Yeah. And that's another book called Pedophilia as well. Um, And then they also found like sex toys and torture toys in this house, too. (laughs) So um, they searched everywhere in this house and they also searched in his trash can. And this is where they found a photo receipt from um, Nissan Pharmacy. They also found a class ring from Maine West High School with the initials JAS on them, temporary driver's license, and other pieces of ID that belonged to other people. Oh, my God. So, basically, they found what they needed. Yes, exactly. Um, then they found a crawl space whose entrance was in a trap door in the front closet. When the officers went down there, they didn't see anything. No body, no clothing, just muck because of how high the water table went under his house. It was just literally like just mud. And Mm -hmm. it's crazy because the cops went down there and like looked, tried to see if he was hiding anything under there and they didn't see anything. But that's because like with a warrant, I think you can't necessarily like take shit apart, you know, unless you get like a, Mm. a different type of warrant i don't know but they didn't like dig or anything basically is my point yeah but if it's mud like i wouldn't especially like wouldn't you think they would oh he came in with like mud on him maybe but they probably haven't tied that together yet i guess Uh. i don't know so they kept trying to ask him questions um well because he was still being interrogated while they were searching his house mm-hmm. and they kept trying to ask him questions, but with nobody, they had no crime and they knew that. So since they weren't going to charge him, they just, they had to end up letting him go. Cause they, besides like, yes, they found stuff, but it's like, okay. The only thing that really ties them to the thing that they're looking for is Robert Peist is this, um, this photo slip mm-hmm. from Nissan pharmacy or Nissan pharmacy, which is like, yeah, because he was there that day, but tell you what ties him to Robert Pius later. So um, on December 14th, 1978, Lieutenant Joe Kosnack, uh wanted to have Gacy tailed 24-7. So this is like a really crazy part of this investigation is they were basically assigned to just follow him everywhere. Um, Ron Robinson and Bob Schultz were assigned to noon to midnight shift and Dave, um, Hatchmeister and Mike Albrecht were assigned to the midnight to noon. Did they know, did he know that they were following him? So, uh, he, he like figures it out basically there. In they the beginning he did it. No. Oh, okay. No. Um, it took Gacy. 
Here you go. A day to realize he was being followed. Literally (laughs) took him one day and he's off. They're following me. (laughs) Since they knew he found out they wanted to do uh, what's called an overt tactic. And and it's basically where you tell the perp, hey, we're watching you Mm 24-7. It's like a different type of tactic because, I mean, they didn't really have the choice because he figured it out. But like somebody who doesn't think they're being watched and followed versus somebody who does Mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of a psychological thing you know like if you think if you know you're being followed by the cops you're bound gonna, to make a, a mistake like mm-hmm. because it's gonna just freak like you out it's edge. gonna mess with your mind mm-hmm. so i mean they, they had to switch to that because he didn't really give them a choice yeah but at least they knew like what to do yeah you know sure. um so on December 15th, 1978, he went to Moose Lodge. Um, the cops noticed that he was, it's basically Moose Lodge is like a, a bar. Um, mm-hmm. And the cops noticed because they went in and they watched him while he was in the bar. And they noticed that he was the life of the party. And he started to make light of his situation of being followed by the cops. It was like he enjoyed the cat and mouse game. Oh um, gosh, that's so he sickening. Was- I know. And he would make up stories. Like people would be like, why are those guys following you? And he'd be like, Oh, I, I, um, they're the FBI. They're investigating me for a terrorist crime or like whatever, like just to be, he thought it was funny, you know? Um, that's how, you know, he's like mentally like sick. Yeah. Because instead of being worried, Oh, Hey, I have bodies buried under my house and cops are following me. I should probably, yeah. Let me have fun and party. (laughs) Yeah. Instead he's being all crazy. no so and then also while the cops were following him he would drive like a maniac and test their driving abilities he'd like all right you want to follow me let's see how good you can do this um but they proved they were sticking to him no matter what like he tried to get away from them as hard as he could and they said he did make it difficult but they're like no we're trying to show this guy like we're watching you no matter what you do um if he stopped at a restaurant they would stop too. And sometimes they would join him at his table. He would joke and make up different stories. Um, like while the cops were with them, even waiters, he would be like, oh yeah, these are cops that are following me because of this. Like, but it's so weird. Cause they were like, looking back on this story. Now I was following this serial killer around and then sitting down and having meals with him and just talking to him because they were trying to see if they could make him crack you know Mm -hmm. and he like loved the attention oh gosh loved it so so basically like he was trying to outsmart them Mm, maybe well maybe i think i think is that like he wanted to be like, oh, you guys were literally having lunch with me or a cup of coffee. And, like all this whole time, I'm a serial killer. Like mm-hmm. you guys suck, you know, like it would have been like a haha for him in the end. Yeah. Um, John Wayne Gacy's rap sheet before. And he's like, I've seen his, everything he's been charged with. He, he had been charged with like assault battery aggravation like all this stuff like stuff with the cops and stuff but he's like i never saw on his um on his history that he had assaulted a kid and he's like the fact that i am a cop and i couldn't even see that is weird it um, wasn't the sodomy with the kid it was yes but it never said like with a kid you know but i thought usually 
Well, I don't know about this time, but uh, when did they start saying underage or with a minor? You know how they have to like say certain things when crimes are with kids? Uh, I think, well, I think then like, wouldn't he be considered a pedophile? So why wasn't he charged with pedophilia? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, when did that start happening? I don't know when it started happening. I feel like it's been a thing for a long time, even then, because that's, you would get charged with that, but that's this, this guy's right. And that's this guy's point. He's like, it was weird because maybe because John was so high up in society, you know, with the democratic party and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like, I didn't see anything that said he had assaulted a kid. Um, Mike Rossi and David Cram were assistants that worked at PDM with Gacy. They helped him run his business and they also just helped him in his life. Um, As they kept investigating more and more, people would come forward saying that they knew someone who worked for Gacy that just went missing. Gregory Godzik worked for uh, Gacy who went missing. John Butkovich one day didn't show up for work and was never seen again. Um, the class ring that they found with the initials J-A-S belonged to John Sick. When they called his parents, they said that he had been missing for a while. They said that um, his car was also missing. So when the police looked up this John Six uh, vehicle information, they realized that it's the same make and model of car that Mike Rossi was driving which was his assistant, but Uh the VIN had been altered and Gacy sold it to him for almost close to nothing. So like, he's like going through these young men and like taking their possessions too. And just taking that kid's car. And he's like, has no care in the world. Like this kid is missing and you're going to sell his car to this guy that works for you. Which was the, which was the kid that he buried in like, uh, like the cement in his backyard. Uh, that was but uh, Butkovich. Oh, okay. Was that the one with the car? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that was a different one. There's yeah, so many. Was... I can't even keep I know, track of them. I know. There is a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> that was little John. Remember his lover that he ended up killing? Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um. This was tying. Now that they're like investigating this, this was tying four to five people that are missing to Gacy at this point. On December 17th, Leroy Stevens was his civil attorney uh, for his company. Like this guy was just his attorney for his job or for his business that he owned. Mm -hmm. They're about to file a lawsuit against the police department for harassment and for ruining his business. He's like, these cops are just. So John's lawyers were about to file a lawsuit against the police department for harassment and for ruining his business because he's basically saying like the cops are following me around harassing me and they're saying that I'm like killing these young men and stuff like they're ruining my business because nobody wants to work with me so he was going to try to sue the police department for that Terry I mean, so- technically he probably could have because they didn't really have anything other than circum circum oh my god I can't even say it circumstantial <laughs> evidence. yeah I guess, but like they're also just doing their job by investigating, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like hard. With that. Yeah. Um, because also, if it's true, it's not technically defamation, you know? Uh-huh. If it's true. Yeah. So uh, at the time, they can, he can claim it because it's not known that he did this yet. Right. Yeah. True. 
So Terry Sullivan was the prosecutor and they were keeping everything under wraps. They were trying not to release any little piece of information because they were like, if John confesses to, oh, I took this kid's sunglasses, like a very specific thing, you know, then they could tie him to that murder or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, John never really minded the police following him, which is weird because he wanted to sue them for it, but then he like kind of enjoyed it still, you know, it was like, well, yeah, he liked the attention that he was getting from them. It was like a cat and mouse, like you said. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, they like their whole lives surround like what I'm doing with my life. Mm-hmm. Like you're the guys who were there from uh, midnight to noon, like all through the night, you're just sitting there while I'm sleeping. Cool. Yeah, exactly. that's cool. Um, Sometimes John would even invite them inside of his home. Like if he saw them parked outside, he'd be like, Hey, come in or whatever. And they'd be like, okay. Um, Cousins. Oh my gosh. I can never say this guy's name. Right. Cousin sack. Cousin. (laughs) Cousin chat. Cousin. I don't know how I was saying it earlier. Cousin sack. (laughs) I don't know. This is bad. Cousin Sack, Kosniak. I don't know. I just want to say Sack over and over. (laughs) Told them to keep an eye out for a missing TV and radio that belonged to a missing person. John Sink was missing a TV from his room, and the police remembered seeing a similar TV during their search warrant. So one time while they were just hanging out at his house, um, Bob Schultz said like they were just hanging out and Bob Schultz said I need to go to the bathroom so that he could like try to look around real quick and see if he sees that TV and radio mm-hmm. um, he couldn't find it though but right at the moment um, uh, right at that moment where he was standing specifically it was like in the kitchen the heat kicked on and Bob smelled something that Rotting. was a dead giveaway he could smell a dead body and knew exactly oh. what it was because he's a cop. Yuck. Um, Bob wouldn't stop talking about the smell, but they still were trying to figure out a way to get Gacy to slip so that they could search harder. Because they already did, you know, once you get one search warrant, that's pretty much it. They, It's hard to get a second search warrant. But, but can't they, like, be like, okay, we smell this. It's a dead body. Now we can... Well, yeah, but a smell is not hard evidence, you know. Mm. Like you can't take that to court. Smell this. (laughs) (laughs) I I bottled the air. (laughs) (laughs) So they called David Cram back to interrogate him. They asked him if Gacy had ever lost his temper, and he said, "Yeah, one time. One time he had me crawling down the crawl space." Um, and I was down there digging down there and made a wrong turn and started, and he started losing his temper. He's like, he, cause he, I don't know why he went down there. I don't, I don't know if I was told that when I was researching, but he went down, like Yacy told him go down there and like dig this hole or whatever. So he starts digging. He's like, no, not out of there. And he's like, it was weird. He was like jumping and screaming at me. Like not oh, at that spot. Yeah. And that should be a giveaway. Something's fishy uh-huh hearing this they tried to get another search warrant from terry sullivan who was the prosecutor but to get two search warrants for the same place is usually near impossible it's but, almost but now that but they have one can't they like, no once you on do it? no 
they oh. released the crime crime scene, you know, to him. Oh, okay. It's so like once you do one search warrant and it's done and you release the place back to the person, that's it. You can't go back in there. You have to get another. It's almost like you can't try the per- same person for the same crime twice. It's kind of like that. Yeah. So what? Why did they release it? Because they didn't find anything? Like Yes. Remember I told you they found the sex toys and the books and the license, but they didn't find anything that he murdered stuff, just that uh-huh. like he liked taking could they souvenirs. have kept it longer, like open they longer? Could, well, yeah, think about um the Ken and Barbie killers when they did theirs and they completely demolished that house mm-hmm. searching for shit, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why didn't they just do that? Because they didn't find any you have to have um reasonable cause to start to actually going that. into the house and they couldn't find anything that's like oh that's fucking blood open up his floors you know oh, okay uh-huh. i think i should be a lawyer to explain a lot of you <laughs> you should <laughs> i'll learn more okay sounds good <laughs> when kim byers put the receipt for um her film so that receipt that they found was Kim's um, in that uh, film receipt from Nissan. That morning when she was wearing Rob's jacket, she had slipped her receipt after she picked up her film and put it in her pocket. Mm-hmm. So that was, and then Rob asked for his jacket back and went outside. There you go. There's your fucking evidence. And they found, because mm-hmm. Kim Byers um, had, um her receipt still or I don't know the film or something I don't know what she had that it was attached to because they lined up the receipt with the film batch and it, the tear how it was torn off was matched exactly so that was that was it there you go your smoking gun on December 20th John called and said he had something new he needed to tell Sam um Amarante He wanted them to know that the cops were following him, but also harassing his employees. He kept insisting that he had nothing to do with Rob's disappearance, but even his lawyer didn't believe him anymore. He's just like, because remember his lawyer at the beginning was like, oh, what? This guy is like a part of the JCs. He's like Mm -hmm. the precinct captain and they're tailing him. And now even at this point, they're like, he's like, come on, John, you have some something to do with this guy's death. So basically his, uh, like everything was just falling apart for him at that point. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, Gacy asked if he had uh, um, anything to drink. Like Gacy went to his lawyer's office and he asked him, he's like, do you have anything to drink? And Sam gave him some wine. He chugged it and then he said, all right, give me some more. And then he chugged that too. And then he pointed at a picture and said of Rob and said, that boy is dead. Um, oh my god just straight up yeah to his own lawyer um he told his lawyer that he was ready to tell him everything at this point sam was terrified but listens to it all sam was like remember i told you too he was like a new lawyer young kid like fresh out the law schools Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this was his first client was john wayne casey oh my god so, so wait, was he his lawyer for like that case or just his construction like 
business yeah. lawyer. Yeah. But then he like, remember the first time he's like, I get a call from him saying, Hey, the police are following me. Can you tell me why? That was when it started turning into something else. Oh, okay. Where he's like, then he wanted to sue the police department for defamation and all harassing and all that stuff. Um, so his lawyer, which I went from I thought like, there was different types of lawyers. There though. are, but you can also be a general practice lawyer. Oh, okay. So that's, is that's that what he was? I don't know specifically what law degree he has. No. But <laughs> you should know that. Asking. Come on. <laughs> okay. So uh like I said, <laughs> Sam is just terrified, and this guy, like Gacy, literally sits there and tells tells them everything every Every person he killed every person he killed how he met them how he killed them where he put their body like in very like plain just this is exactly what happened like nonchalant like here's my story he yeah i think he wanted to just get get it out like at that point well and plus if you're their lawyer it's like the you know client attorney privilege or whatever but they usually do know whether it happened or not. But can't they say something if they mean? know something? No, you can't. You can't release like that's that you will like lose your be stripped of your bar and you'll like you can't practice anymore. That's be like stripped a little, of your bar. Yeah, like you're the attorney will lose the you know how they have to pass the bars or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so they get stripped of everything. They can't practice law anymore. They just can't hold evidence, right? But they can't say, oh, yeah, he did this. Yeah, yeah. Because a confession is just like, yeah, they can use it, but it's also like hearsay almost. And then also, um, wait, what was I going to say? Like, that's why a lot of the times, like, lawyers will be representing somebody like this and they'll drop out because they're like, I can't do this anymore. Like, yeah. it's too much for some. You have to, like, be If really... they do drop out, can they say stuff at that point or do they no. still have to? Nope. They're not it's allowed still to. privileged. It's like, it's almost like they're. Um... So no matter what, it's still privileged because they were their lawyer at that time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's like you going into a courtroom and watching a proceeding. Sometimes you can't even co- like even the jury can't say what they saw. You know, mm-hmm. that's just a part of it. So um, that had absolutely nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> so then, once Casey is done telling them everything, he falls asleep. Sam calls a psychiatrist um, to bring him bright and early in the morning because Sam is like, let's like this dude is messed up. We have to get him looked at. Mm -hmm. Um, So John wakes up at six in the morning, worried. He says, I've got things to do. I've got to go. And then he just sleeps. And (laughs) Sam's just like, what? What (laughs) do you do at that point? You just confessed to me. You killed all these. Okay. Um, the cops decided not to let him go and arrested him. Um, oh wait, I'm sorry. I skipped. Go back. I know. I was like, wait a minute. What just happened? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have to do so much editing. I'm so fucking tired. Okay. December 21st, the police are chasing Gacy and they stop at a gas station. 
he had some weed on him. So the boy who came out to pump his gas, because that was still a thing. I wish it was still a thing these days. Um, he was handed, like they could, the cops could see him hand the uh, boy something and then he leaves. Um, and then John just drives to his dad's cemetery to visit his grave. Um, the cops decide not to let him go though, because they stopped that kid and they're like, yo, what did he just give you marijuana? So they decide to arrest him for marijuana possession because mm-hmm. back then, guess what guys? It was illegal. Yep. <laughs> guess what? At 12.15 p.m., they took him to the station. While he was there, they needed to find Rob Pice, so they went back to his house. Woo! Daddy, let me just tell you what they found there. (laughs) That was really weird. (laughs) Dan Gentry, who was an evidence technician, helped search the house. He said he wanted to go immediately into the crawl space. He sees three puddles and in them, he sees small red worms. He's like, they were like these red worms that had like these white stripes on them. And he's like, I've never, never um, seen to that day or since that day, worms like this. Ew, what the heck? That's weird. Yeah. So he sticks his entrenching tool down there and he like gets it stuck on something and he pulls it out and it's a shoulder bone. Oh my God. So Dan yells up to them saying that he found a body. Um, They ask if it's Robert Peist um, because, but Robert hadn't been down there long enough to be that decomposed. And this body was like bones. He's like, no, this body has been here way too long. So they kept digging and found three bodies stacked in this area. On top of each other? Mm -hmm. Um, Are they like decomposed in different ways? Are they all bones? Yeah, they're they're all in different stages of decomposition. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Mike was at the precinct um, and went back to talk to Gacy. Gacy immediately asked if they had been in his crawl space, and he said, yes, we have. Gacy look at, looks at him and says, I will never spend a day in jail for this. Um, Sam said that Gacy told him he wanted to get up and go tell people what happened, But as his lawyer kept telling him, no, you need to listen to me. But he wanted to be in control and he wanted to do it his way. So he he wanted he he was like, you know what? Like, here, let me just tell my story. And Sam's like, I already heard it. Just kidding. (laughs) That's too much. So wait, how long had that kid been missing at this point? Um, Robert wasn't missing that that long. He was only missing, I think, um, like a few months. Because okay, his so mom, he, his he mom wouldn't have been really, de- decomposed that much. Right, exactly. Okay. And his mom was so, she was like on top of it. You know, she was like, where's my son? Find him. It has to be from this place. Whereas a lot of the other boys who went missing, like they're like, nobody was really searching for them. Like, yes, there were missing police reports, like or pe- person's reports put in, but um, unlike Robert Pice's mom, they just kind of were like, oh, the cops will alone. Well, that happens to homosexual boys. Like, yeah, you know, so this kid obviously either wasn't or his family was just like, they never always- really talked about it. I don't think he was, but they never really talked about it. And I think it was, it, but that's the point is nobody, I don't think people didn't really know. And so it's like, he literally just took this boy because he went out to ask him for a job. You know, that's so crazy. 
so um so they got nine of their detectives in a room and sat down and Gacy just started talking he just he was like here you go here's my confession so they, they basically listened. told them everything yep he told them everything Holy remember crap. I told you there's 60 hours worth of confession tape from them. oh yeah that's right so oh my gosh 60 hours 60 hours oh my gosh how much can you say that's a lot of talking that's almost like that Taylor Swift song that's 10 minutes you know it's like <laughs> yeah. how can you sing for that long and I'm like I understand <laughs> so and then they just listened um Gacy said he started killing in 1972 and that was his the Greyhound bus uh, kid boy that mm-hmm. he killed. Um, December 22nd, Gacy had rambled and he just kept talking until six in the morning. While they were interviewing him, the other police were still searching his house. Um, this was day one of their excavation of the Gacy house. They tur- uh, started busting down walls, ripping up floors. Um, and, and what's crazy about this time of police work is they weren't wearing any PPE at all. Like they were using their hands. They weren't wearing masks. So like picture you're in a crime scene where there's just decomposing bodies and mud and muck. And you're just like, all right, here's a school. Oh my God. Like just with your hands, you know? So wait, was this house the only place he killed or was it like other places that he lived? I don't prior? Think- this isn't the only place that he necessarily killed, but this is the only place that he, well, no, you'll find out. Oh, okay. Um, uh, okay. So they just kept finding body after body. And as they, as they kept going through the house, he explained that these young men were prostitutes who asked for too much money or threatened to out him. But that wasn't true because some of these victims were just kids looking for a job that like worked for him. So they may not have been gay either. They exactly. were just looking for work. Uh-huh. And then he and probably he used them. them. Well, think of the two boys um, that I told you their stories earlier where he yeah. like attacked them or tried to attack them. And it's like they didn't want to because that's not yeah. what they're into. Uh-huh. But that's probably it was a part of Gacy's like MO too until that great um Greyhound bus boy because like he would try and if he said no, he would give up until that first kill. And then he would be like, All right, well, I'll do it anyways, and then I'll kill you after or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So John had a black Oldsmobile with a light on top. He claimed would like literally back in the day, especially detectives and stuff, like during this time. Um, they would just be driving normal vehicles. Cruisers weren't a big thing. Mm-hmm. So they were never marked. It was always just their own like civilian vehicles. And they would just have those lights that they would just stick on top, you know? Oh yeah. 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 And that's what Gacy had. He had an Oldsmobile, which is, was pretty standard, um, police vehicle at the time. And he had one of those, but he claimed that he had never, um, impersonated a cop. But if that's um, what the victim assumed, then he would just let them. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, well, I wasn't impersonating a cop. But if somebody was like, oh, are you a cop? I would just be like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But when they were searching his house, they found about 50 um, uh, counterfeit police badges. So they're like, oh uh, my God. So on top of killing people. (laughs) tell us the truth about killing boys that's weird 
Yeah, so on top uh, of killing people, he was doing that stuff too. Impersonating mm-hmm. a cop. Uh, Larry Finder, prosecutor for Cook County, he asked how John had killed the boys. He said one of his favorites was to uh, to do a handcuff magic trick, getting the boys to put them on and then try to escape. It was like his favorite game. Um, then he got excited and wanted to show them how he killed the boys. So he demonstrated on Larry. He was like, hey, come here. He was like, can I have a rope? And they're like, no. <laughs> and so he <laughs> let, let me show you how I killed like, them. <laughs> no, but John had a rosary um, with him. And so he like used the rosary to like tie this guy's hands together. Um, he wrapped it around his wrist and then he um, grabbed it and he goes, okay, so pretend like the, your wrist is a neck and the hand is a head. And then he's like, what you do is you just like pull the rope and you put a stick in and you just twist it and twist it and twist it until they stop fighting. And that's, oh that was God. his, like, favorite way to kill. That's so sadistic. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Ooh, give me chills. I know because I've, uh, it's called something. I want to say a turbine, but don't hold me to it because <laughs> I just picture like, cause it makes it easier to twist, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's horrible. Horrible, horrible. Ugh. Um, on December 26 in 1978 is day three of the ex- excavation. This is when they had found Michael Bonin's body. Gacy would have saved souvenirs from the bodies of his victims, but they found Michael Bonin's fishing license in his house. So they were like, okay, there we go. Tied a body to who it is, which Mm -hmm. is going to be a long um, thing for the cops to do. On day four, December 27th, 1978, police found six more bodies bringing the total up to 15 at this point. Holy crap. He had that many bodies at his house. Just wait. It gets crazier. At this time is when the whole story became a media frenzy. Um, By December 28th, they had uncovered 21 dead bodies um, so far in the excavation, but they still hadn't found Peist at this point. So they asked him where he was. He said, well, he's not above ground and he's not below ground. On December 29th is when they reached body 27. This is one of the hardest for them to remove because this guy was literally like stuck in the mud. Because you say, like you think about digging in mud and muck and like the water Mm -hmm. table and stuff down there. And um, I remember listening to a detective, I forget who it was, but he was describing taking this body out of the mud and he's like i remember just like because he was mostly bones but still had a little flesh on him and he's like i could feel myself trying to pick him up out of the ground and i stuck my hand into his side like where his ribs are and the flesh just fell away and i got a good grip in his ribs and i like ripped him out of the mud like, Jeez. isn't that horror? And they're not wearing PPE. Again, guys, no PPE. See, that's how you know they were all messed up back then. Yeah, exactly. And they're all drinking whiskey and smoking cigars every day. <laughs> so the r- big risk was going to be identifying these bodies. DNA wasn't used to identify until 1986. There's your answer right there. 
that's when it was first used. So the only way to do it was through dental records. They asked for parents of missing teens in the area to come forward and provide dental records to match them to the missing. But not a lot of calls came in at first like they hoped because a lot of these missing boys, like that means that John Wayne Gacy trapped your homosexual son and probably had sex with him and killed him, which is really sad that even parents were like, I don't want to tie my kid to this, even if he is missing. Like, it's just really sad. Um, But so that is where I'm going to end part two. Oh my gosh, I feel like there's, there's so much. Jeez. I know, and there's still a lot more. That's why I wanted to put it into three parts. Because if you think 27 bodies is a lot, just wait, there's more. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even imagine this guy. He's insane. Yeah, he is. It's it's a lot to take in this guy because I just think too, like it, like I keep thinking about these poor boys, like just because they were homosexual, like they were treated different, you know yeah that's really so like sad. in their investigate and even their parents are like eh, yeah I don't yeah I don't care about that like I would love my child no matter what like I can't imagine parents being like you know what you love the same sex sorry I don't I don't love you anymore basically well like, and I don't think that that was necessarily it I think it was just a social stigma where it was like I loved my son but what if the whole neighborhood finds out that my son was gay and was murdered because of it it's like it was just a thing you know like a social thing which is sad it's sad that they chose that over finding out mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's like the world back then i guess but john wayne gacy he's pretty crazy yeah i feel like he's the craziest one that i've heard about so far well and like i said he's one of the most prolific and that's why i'm like but it's crazy to me that somebody like you I know that I would have not heard about him. I've heard his name, but I've never heard his story. That's what's crazy. Yeah, because like everybody knows Ted Bundy's story and everybody mm-hmm. knows. Um, oh, my God. I always forget his name. Charles Manson. No. Well, the oh. him too. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows those guys' stories because like, yeah, they're crazy too. But I'm like, this one's big. Yeah. And he killed a lot of boys. A lot. Wow. A lot. So, so sad. I know. Well, my part three, we'll, we'll tie it up in a little nice little bow, hopefully. I'm all, okay, it's going to be four parts. I'm just <laughs> You're like, here I we go. Yeah. Here's some more. <laughs> I will die because I'm How really... long is the documentary? It's three episodes and each episode is an hour. Oh, okay. And and then also, like, I've been researching in other ways, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to watch it after. Yeah, and you're like, <gasps> she misspoke. <laughs> I, I, I always worry about that, and I know I do sometimes, and I know. I know. I've done it, too, and then I realize, <laughs> oh, my God, I said the wrong city, or, or I forgot to yeah, say Yeah, or this. I'm saying cousin sack a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So sorry, guys, if we mess up, like it's, it's half no, of the time we're, we're half asleep. <laughs> yes. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good night and th- or good night. Good whatever it is for you. Thank you for good listening. Good day. Thank good you day, for sir. listening. <laughs> and have a God blessed week. Yes. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.